Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Sharon Tasman graces us with her presence on this episode. Sharon is a wealth of knowledge in uh, many things, uh, ballroom dancing, uh, law, big law, small business, um, the, a lot in the medical uh, and health uh, world for sure. So um, she's the founder of HT Biz. So she's a small business owner. Uh, she's been an attorney for 30 years. And she was a pleasure to chat with. Um, in the last 10 years, she's owned her own company. And she really focuses on small business and providing services, legal services for technology, health, and life sciences uh, businesses. And um, man, her one of her mottos is it's never too old. It's not too late. Um, she talks about a Turkish proverb about, um, you know, if you're going down the wrong path, it's always the right time to turn around. And she's done several pivots in her life. She is a cancer survivor. She, Her high school um, graduation gift was a stage four uh, ovarian cancer diagnosis. Um, she was, you know, those are her, her words as far as her, her way of viewing it. But, and then both of her parents died of cancer as well. So she's um, dealt with, in fact, she was actually more recently diagnosed with a less serious version of cancer. So she's absolutely faced a lot of health challenges in her life. And, and, um, man, she's a, she's a, she's a, a ball of energy. She's got a ton of information. She, uh, in her own words, geeks out on a lot of different topics. She has a lot of programming, um, experience as well. So the hard part here was she's just an expert in too many fields and it's really, <laughs> it, it, you know, not that we weren't focused, but man, she's just, uh, she could go down any rabbit hole and provide value. Um, and I know that's exactly what you're going to get from listening to this episode. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. All right, here's the deal. You work hard for your money. Isn't it about time you put your money to work for you? If you are an accredited investor, check out labradorlending.com. Our Integrity Income Fund provides monthly cash flow from an investment backed by hard physical real estate. Our Income Fund, which is uncorrelated to publicly traded stocks and bonds, invests in first lien mortgage notes diversified by geography, property value, and borrower type. So you're not investing in one project. You're investing in a diversified portfolio of first lien mortgage notes. Our Integrity Income Fund aims to pay its investors monthly distributions 
at a preferred rate of return of 8% annually. Possibly the best part though, the fund showcases a short 12-month commitment. So you can invest your capital today and have access to that capital in one year. Check it out today, labradorlending.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Sharon Tasman. Sharon is an attorney and a mentor, and she is the founder and partner of HT Biz Law. Uh, she's been an, an attorney for over 30 years, uh, even though she's only 29 years old. Uh, <laughs> Sharon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's the wonder of time travel. We age backwards. Absolutely. We're going to get into some technology and maybe you've invented that that technology or something. Um, but yeah, talk to us a little more. Obviously, you know more than I do about what you're up to today. Talk to the listener out there who's unfamiliar with you. Who are you and what are you up to today? So as you said, my name is Sharon Tasman and I've been a technology business and life sciences lawyer for more than 30 years. And it does shock me every time I say that. And for the last 10 years, I've actually had a small firm that I founded after working in big law and big corporate for you know, the first 15, 20 years of my law career. And what I like about having the small firm, which is HT Biz Law, is we are able to focus on for our larger larger clients, mission-driven companies that feel good to work for, but also mm. the flexibility to work with solo and small businesses, mm -hmm. because I truly believe that law shouldn't only be for big companies. It's more important the smaller you are because you can't afford to take as much risk. So my personal mission is to make law not scary and to help solo and small businesses realize that contracts are their best friend. Love that. That's really good. Yeah. So you're you're able to provide your you you have more control over who you work with than you did ten years ago. It sounds oh, for like sure. <laughs> and, and the rates to... and the rates. That's oh, yeah. the key. sure absolutely. Um, no, and and our listener out there is 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 um, primarily an entrepreneur or or budding entrepreneur who you know I work with attorneys all the time, and so I definitely see the the need for sure. Um, and and that's awesome that you're kind of bridging that gap between. Uh, the, between law and small business. And, um, and that's that's really the goal is it, it's my passion project is to help, especially women and members of the BIPOC community to level up because it, you know, we do have to work a little harder. There's There are some barriers to overcome, but also for all entrepreneurs, no matter what type of business you're in, you just have to protect yourself. And there are some things that kind of catch people backwards. Even big companies and small companies really need to get it right the first time if they can. Absolutely. I love it. So we're going to drill down into what you do. Uh, you know, a little bit later, we're going to drill down in some more specifics. Let's jump back into your backstory. Obviously, the podcast is called From Adversity to Abundance. So you and the listener know that we're going to talk about some adversity that you've faced. And um, in your case, we, we're going to focus on on health and, and uh, some major health challenges that you've overcome. So I'll let you take it away. Where do you want to start? So I, I will start at graduation in high school. So I originally had planned to be an engineer. My mom started programming in the 1950s. She was like one of those hidden figures women. My brother started programming. They taught me when I was 12. And I was totally on the path of I'm going to become a programmer. And that's what I'm going to do with my life. Except my graduation present from high school was stage four cancer. And when involved a lot of chemo and a lot of treatment. And that kind of chemo, when you are young and your brain is still developing, actually can affect your brain. So mm. my ability to do higher math processing was mm -hmm. affected. Logic mm. wasn't affected. Overall, IQ wasn't affected. My mm. ability to learn foreign languages wasn't, but higher math processing was. So staying on the scientific computer programming at a top engineering school path was mm -hmm. not exactly the right path. It it took mm -hmm. me the first two years and and getting admittedly a 17 on an exam, which, wow. the, which no, 35 was passing or 37 mm -hmm. was passing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just realized it just wasn't where I was going to go. So I, mm -hmm. I first switched into business programming because mm -hmm. you have to pivot when life throws things at you. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's been the biggest lesson of my life overall, which is 
one, you're never too old and it's not too late, which is more now. Mm -hmm. But another, I think it's actually a Turkish proverb, which is no matter how far you've gone down the wrong path, turn back. Mm. You know, it's never too late to turn back and to change Mm. gears. And I think that is, I think, a key trait for me that I was able to embody early on. In fact, um, a cousin gave me that quote on a piece of paper when I Mm. was going through this. Mm. So it's really stuck with me, which is, you have to be able to be nimble and move. Yeah. Now, the health thing kind of always was there because when mm. you have that much chemo, you have side effects kind of for the rest mm. of your life. Sure. But so, yeah, so oh, paint that it, picture as far as uh, just what what that looked like. I mean, I, I, and again, I'm, I'm, again, I'm an open book. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I started coughing. The doctor thought I had bronchitis. Then I kept coughing and thought he had asthma. He thought I had asthma. I started throwing up. He thought it was the medication. He stopped the medication. I was still throwing up. So he pressed on my stomach, and this is true, but slightly funny. Um, he said, is there any chance you could be seven months pregnant and not know it? And I kind of <laughs> hauled off and slapped him slightly <laughs> indignantly and said, I have a 3.95 GPA. I'd know if I ever had sex. Right, and right. I, I was just like, there's just, it was not possible yeah. unless it was the Immaculate Conception. I was, you know, the ultimate good girl in high school. Mm -hmm. So it turned out that the tumor was so big, it was compressing my lungs. It had shifted all my organs around. And when I had the surgery, it was 10 inches and seven pounds, which is why he thought it was a baby. So that, yeah, I I ended up ending up having a year off before I went to school. Mm. I had chemos in the hospital for, for weeks at a time. And I got out and I was determined to try to go to engineering school, but mm-hmm. it, it became apparent that wasn't necessarily the right call, but I was determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still think of it as my alma mater. It just, mm-hmm. you know, that much chemo. And back then the sure. the side effect drugs basically were things that knocked you out. And it was like being on not narcotics, but yeah. um, tranquilizers almost mm-hmm. all the time. And I it see. takes time to get out of your system. Sure. Gotcha. No, that's, that's, I mean, wow. So yeah. That's, so I that's... ultimately ended up graduating with a degree. I changed schools halfway mm-hmm. through. I worked for a while for GE as a programmer. I was mm-hmm. good at it. I didn't love it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm very glad I have the skills to be a programmer sure. because logic wasn't affected, just math. And in an engineering school, you had to have these really high level math classes. Mm-hmm. I had taken some business classes. I had taken some law classes and I loved them. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm let's go. So I switched. And that was the first, you know, sort of overcoming adversity part beside the physical health and getting through it. Sure. It was, well, this isn't how I thought my life was going to go. Now what? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, talk to, because I also am very different story and I I didn't have to deal with that, that adversity for sure. But I did uh, transfer schools in, in college and, and, um, so, you know, I, I know from that standpoint what it's like to to kind of navigate when should I be persistent and put my head down and work through this this hard time, this adversity versus this is the wrong path, as you as you mentioned in the, the Turkish proverb, and I should back up or change or pivot. So I know there's no one size fits all answer, but for the listener, how do you navigate that, whether it's in your personal life or professional life? You know, it's interesting as I faced it probably younger than most people have to face major life decisions, but it, it sort of, it was the voice that was in the back of my head for a while that I was trying to fight against because I'm very competitive with myself and I, and I just wanted to be normal. It was my way of coping was I just want to be normal. I want to be able to push through and do the things I was going to do. And took a couple semesters and in the last semester the the I was there two and a half years is what did it for me was I got this 17 on an exam mm-hmm. which was the best I could do mm. which was really shocking to me because I had a you know 99 average when I had math in high school and now mm-hmm. I had a 17 gotcha. and I couldn't do better and yeah. I cried a lot for mm-hmm. a couple months because mm-hmm. it really at that point hit me. And it was, what do I do? Right. I went to work for a few months through a co-op program, still stayed up at college. 
and thought about the classes that I had had. I had had a business law class and it just made sense. Hmm. And I liked Mm -hmm. it. And I went, well, okay, I like this. It makes sense. I had an A in it. I'm Mm -hmm. good at it. My dad was in business. So I knew that I didn't need to stay at a top engineering school if I was going to be a business major. So I looked around. My parents were in Maryland. University Mm -hmm. of Maryland is a great school. So I transferred Mm -hmm. to University of Maryland and went into business, but also still kept doing the computer classes. So I ended up of about a year and a half, sorry, a degree and a half, but split Mm, between business and computer science, which in the end was a great combination. Sure. Yeah. And then I went to work again, this time for IBM. And I went, "Mm, yeah, no, (laughs) still don't love it. Yeah. Went to work for MCI, went, "Mm, no, still don't love it. And I went, again, sitting down and thinking. And and part of it really is, it's paying attention to that little voice. Mm -hmm. If you let yourself get quiet, and I realize I'm about to sound woo-woo and a little zen, which is... Which is never who I used to be, but I am now. It is you have to you have to give yourself the space to hear mm-hmm. the voice, sure. to know when it's time to change. Yeah. You might fight really against good. it. And I did fight against it for a while, but I got reminded of the no matter how far you've gone down the wrong path, turn back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. That's I mean, that's great advice. And it's very easy for especially the entrepreneur out there not to take time or to create that space. Um, you know, I, I read a book about, uh, uh, I forget what it's called, but creating that intentional space for thinking, like actually blocking off on your calendar time to think. And I can't say I've I've executed that well, but that creating that space is critical um, to be able to reflect because how else are you going to look at the big picture to make those high level kind of strategy decisions that are actually more important than how do I put out this, this fire today? And, and actually over the last couple of weeks, I've actually been coming back to exactly what you said is I'm not giving myself enough space. The realizing that I'm not doing the thing I need to do as well as Mm -hmm. I should. So I'm, I've been saying, okay, now in the middle of the day, I just need to take 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. turn off the electronics, go sit, you know, leave my office. Maybe if it's a nice day, go for a walk outside. No yep. headphones, no phone, no music, and just listen to myself. And it's it's That's almost cool. not even active listening. Mm. It's if you just let your mind clear, mm-hmm. the answers are there. Mm. Especially as we get older, we've experienced enough. It's just you have to give your brain the space to pull the things together from different parts of your body. And that's really what Mm. intuition is. It's your brain making the connections on information that may be stored in disparate places in your brain and pulling it all together. Mm. That's really good. You know, I did a pivot, you know, four years ago when I said, I really want to focus more on helping solo and small businesses. How can I, how can I Mm -hmm. do that more? Um, It's, I did the same thing when I said, I need to rebrand the name of my law firm It Mm -hmm. was the health and technology law firm. I -hmm. always did business law, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't obvious. So when I changed, when I added this focus, I knew that I needed to do something. So it was elevate the business part to make it more obvious and to move with the times. Yeah. So that really is the thing, which is once I realized, you know, programming, just I worked for a couple different places knew it wasn't for me. I was good, but it didn't make me go, yay. I said, okay, I had more, some more law classes as part of my undergrad, went to my labor law professor. And I said, would you by any chance write me a reference for law school? And she cracked up and she said, well, I always knew you'd be a lawyer. You were just fighting it. Um, (laughs) I told my mother and she said, well, I've always despised lawyers, but I think you'll make a very good one. To which I was like, thank you, Mm. I think. Um, But, you know, what I do now, it's not, pardon me out there to the types of lawyers who do these things. I do what I feel like is very clean law. I Mm. don't need another shower at the end of the day. (laughs) I never go to court. I'm not using kids as wishbones. I'm not chasing ambulances. I'm helping businesses build solid foundations. I'm helping companies with good missions 
yeah. achieve their goals safely. You know, I, I represent a research foundation where they research s- solutions and cures for diseases that have such a small patient population that the big companies won't touch it because it's not as profitable. Okay. So right. a, a bunch of guys from the, you know, the FANG, Facebook, Apple, et cetera, mm-hmm. one, one of them ha- one of their daughters had one of these diseases Mm. and he got all of his friends to help him start a foundation. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited because they're getting ready for clinical trials. So it's like something that feels good at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I could never have done it working in big law, big law, again, knowing when to change. Yeah. Big law was hugely valuable to me. You learn how you don't learn how to be a lawyer in law school. You learn how to learn. Right. When you go to a, a big law firm, the, the yeah. training is extraordinary. And, and I loved it, but I also knew that listening to the voice yeah. over time, rates rose. Clients had to get bigger to match the rates. And mm-hmm. you become a strategic missile. That wasn't for mm-hmm. me. As mm-hmm. you can tell, I'm very shy and I'm not outgoing <laughs> right. at all. And right, I don't right. like people. Sarcasm. <laughs> I missed when I was a younger attorney and my rate was lower. I could work yeah. with a client over a longer period of time and really get to know them. Sure. And which enabled me to head things off at the pass because I yeah. could see things coming. So Yeah, I get that. Makes I started sense. my own practice because that gave me the control. Sure. I love that. Um yeah, absolutely. We had a, an, an attorney on the show recently, Seth Bradley. Don't worry, he's not a competitor. It's a different different type of You know what? There but, is uh, enough of work <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. But he spoke similarly about the, his, uh, I guess, big law. He's a securities attorney, but Mm -hmm. you know, his experience at the big law firm gave him a lot of valuable tools and and learnings, if you will, that he's now, you know, using in his own practice. So, but although I, in a bit, I want to talk more about the, the transition for sure, you know, professionally, because that's, I'll make it a, you know, blanket judgment, you know, (laughs) Not all attorneys are make great business people. And so I'm curious to get that some insights there from you. Before before we get there though, let's talk. I know you've dealt with some more health specific, health related challenges within your family. Let's let's talk about that a bit. Uh absolutely. So in my family, we're evidently mentally genetically blessed, but medically genetically cursed. Uh, I come mm. from a cancer cluster family, although I was the first. Um, my father got cancer and passed. And then so did my mother, which that part wasn't a surprise. It's very Mm. difficult to manage that while working for my father. I was still a big law. When Mm -hmm. my mother got sick, I had gone Mm -hmm. to a client for a couple of years to see if I liked that side of things. Mm -hmm. And then I had decided to open my practice. You know, one of the pieces of advice I always give people Mm -hmm. who are thinking of starting their own business, yeah. you know, making yeah. the leap from an employee where you have someone who takes care of taxes and all those things to employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're a solo, it's all you. Sure. And what I tell people is you really should bank about a year's worth of salary and living expenses before you make the leap. Mm. Whether that means, you know, starting your job at night while building savings, your new job, while mm-hmm. you still have your regular day job, or just putting every spare penny you can into savings. So you have that one-year cushion. And fortunately, this was a case of, I did, as I said, not just, you know, do as I say, not necessarily Mm -hmm. as I do. I did the right thing too, because Mm -hmm. I started my law practice. And then about a month later, my mom went out of remission Mm -hmm. and got cancer for the fourth time. Wow. In three years. So I ended up pretty much not working. (laughs) at all for the first year I started my law firm, (laughs) which is not how anyone should start a business, but, but you just don't know, you don't know what the future is going to hold. And I had, I had put away almost an entire year's worth of living expenses. I mean, I worked a little bit, maybe, maybe I worked 10 hours a month, maybe Mm, for the first year, which is, it's not at all what I recommend. It's, (laughs) I, I don't recommend starting. And this is true. I yeah. And I don't mean to be glib about it. I yeah. don't recommend starting a business when somebody then gets sick. Now, you never no. know. I, I had a clue it was possible because my mom had relapsed before. But mm-hmm. 
I knew I needed to make the change when I made the change. Yeah. I was yeah. able to protect myself. But right. if there are people listening and you are in the middle now of yeah. a family health crisis or some other crisis, hold yeah. on to your current job. Mm, that's good advice. If you yeah. are really desperate to start this second career, start it as a side hustle because you need the guaranteed income while mm -hmm. you're dealing with health issues, whether it's a parent, a child, and for people in their you know, 30s and 40s, it, it's the sandwich generation. You typically have kids and parents who are getting older and mm -hmm. you, you yeah. have those responsibilities on both sides. Absolutely. Having that guaranteed paycheck is a good thing. Absolutely, you, I, I agree. you don't wanna add that extra stress of, yeah. oh, where's the money gonna come from? Right, and then you're stressed and then you're not as good of a caretaker for, for your loved one, et cetera. It, you know, bleeds into other areas of, of your life. Yeah, I can, yeah, my, my mother-in-law was sick for years. She passed as well. And, and my, my wife, I mean, was, you know, it was uh, very taxing on my wife and her, her sisters and the whole family, um, just from a time and energy standpoint, let alone the emotional side of it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I can't imagine my wife starting a business during that time t at all. Um, I didn't so that's, intend to. That's great advice. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah, um, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and, and that happened one other time in my life. Yes, um, the what, hindsight being twenty. So oh. after my mom passed, after I dealt with the estate, because I only have one other sibling, and my mom was mm -hmm. an only child, and my sibling is not local at all, so I was the only local child. Mm -hmm. um, after I recovered from my body failing after mm. all of that stress. I ended up from the stress of dealing with my mom and trying to start a business. I ended up in the hospital twice in one year with sepsis uh, because wow. my immune system just collapsed sure. because I did not follow the number one rule, which is, and I know the rule because I, I yeah. mentor patients and families on this, which is the caretaker must take care of themselves first. Sure. I, I did That's not. That's really good. I did not. I ended up in the hospital twice. So after I recovered from that, recovered from dealing with my mom's estate, I went back to what has been my passion my whole life, which is dancing. And okay. I used to go swing and ballroom dancing about five nights a week for the decade leading up to my dad first getting sick. And then from when my dad got sick, until my mom passed, I didn't dance at all for almost 10 years. Maybe I went once a year. Maybe. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I missed it. And I hadn't done anything for me because I had been the good girl. I did what society mm -hmm. expected. Yeah. And I found a new dance coach and dance partner. And I might have for a year or two been more of a dancer than a lawyer. Just, <laughs> I just might have, which in itself wouldn't have been a problem. But then of course the pandemic hit right after I'm like, oh, well, um, so <laughs> right. again, fortunately I had rebuilt some of my savings because <laughs> yeah. then when you have the pandemic, yeah, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, and, sure. and especially with everything that's going on for people out there, you know, the, unfortunately COVID seems to be around for a long time. It, right. it, it's never going to leave. It's constantly mutating. And unfortunately there'll probably be something else after that, yeah. which is you just have to be prepared because you never know. You Absolutely. really, 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 if you're starting a business, you have to have that year of savings available. Yeah. No, it's, it's really good advice. I, I, uh, I took seven years. I was uh, blessed in that I was able to work part-time. I, I worked full-time for a while um, for at, Fort Meade at, at, for the uh, DOD. And then I switched. I know that and, place. Uh, I know lots yeah, of people there. Gotcha. And uh, mm -hmm. from 2015 through 2022, I worked part-time. And this is, even within the federal government, it's one of the few places you can you can do this, at least, at least as far as I know, mm -hmm. and still keep your benefits. Now, um, so I just simply say that to say I had that option. And I mean, that was my way of building my businesses um, on the side. And, you know, in a, in a more methodical and slow fashion, basically. Uh, but it's the same, you know, result of having that cushion and that ramp mm -hmm. up, you know, don't just rip the bandaid off and jump in. I mean, everyone's situation is different. Some people, that's what they need to do, or they'll never do it. Maybe or but you don't have a choice because you got fired. Absolutely. That's and that's exactly what happened with uh, Seth Bradley. He got fired. and He was like, Oh, I guess I need to open my own firm here. Um, but 
uh, long, but that's a, that's a separate story. So, um, so talk to us, you know, as far as the last, okay. So you started your business 10 years ago, is that right? 2013. Okay. So, and then kind of talk to us over the last like five or six years of your business. What does that look like? So, you know, obviously things always slow down for everybody at the beginning of the pandemic. Fortunately, yeah. my clients were used to me not being face-to-face. I have pretty much been remote or dealt with clients that I've never met my entire career because I have clients around the globe and I always have. I, I've had clients in Singapore and France and Ireland and South Africa, all over the United mm-hmm. States. So people were used to not meeting me. The mm-hmm. one thing that really changed with the pandemic was it used to be that clients just wanted phone calls. When mm-hmm. the pandemic hit, everybody decided they had to have Zoom. Right. They had yeah. never met me before, but now all of a sudden, <laughs> because people were doing it socially, like, oh, let's Zoom. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I never got rid of my suits from big law when I was in the office. They're they're in a closet in my office. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I look like a lawyer whenever I need to. <laughs> right. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the interesting thing is, even as the pandemic has sort of wound down, everyone still yeah. wants Zoom, which is fine yeah. because I like seeing people. It's nice to see sure. who you're dealing with. So that's been one change is all of our practices have become video, not just email sure. and, and calls. Yeah. But, you know, as I mentioned, I've been really focusing on helping solo and small businesses. I still have my yeah. larger clients. I mean, now my clients are in the, you know, five to 50 million range, as opposed to the 200 to a billion plus yeah. range. Right? So, so get, get specific with sort of your ideal client and, and what services you provide. We've, we've talked around it a little bit, but you know, what, what is it you actually provide uh, as far as legal services? So what I provide falls into two discrete buckets for yeah. larger businesses in the, you know, five to 50 or even a hundred million. Those mm-hmm. are typically where I'm providing technology or life sciences, biotech kind of deal advice, uh, okay. research agreements, clinical trials, developing software licenses for them, client agreements, user agreements, software as a service, and counseling around all of those things. For the smaller, the solo and small businesses, the startups mm-hmm. or the ones that are growing, I provide one, I provide a lot of advice through all my social media channels. I, mm-hmm. I'm i not as good as the, the marketing part of me should be in that I really want to genuinely help. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you're supposed to teach yeah. the what and the why, but not the how. Mm-hmm. My problem is I tend to teach the how yeah, because I, I truly want to help. And sure. it really is a passion for me because I genuinely believe that having the right contracts mm-hmm. as a solo and small business is even more important. So I work with businesses to set up as an LLC because mm-hmm. you don't want to be operating under your own name. If you sure. operate just under your own name, there's no separation between you as a person and you yeah. as a business. So if your business gets sued, all of your personal assets are at risk. Mm-hmm. And given yep. the barrier to entry of about $300 to <laughs> set right. up an LLC, it's a right. no-brainer. Right. Unless you're in California, but unless you're um, in California, in, mo- in most no, you're, you're states, right. <laughs> it's one to $300 in most states. Yeah. And I work with a lot of the initial suite of agreements that you need. Mm. And I, I kind of write myself out of a job, but mm-hmm. I believe in build it once, use it a hundred times. So mm-hmm. having your own client services agreement, and no matter what type of services you're in, you mm-hmm. want to call it a consulting agreement, a web agreement. Mm-hmm. So I help businesses set up their client agreement so they can get money in without having risks that come with signing what a client puts in front of them or just something they've grabbed on the internet because mm-hmm. yeah. a services agreement may look the same on the outside, but yeah. there are significant differences between drafted for a client and drafted for a consultant. Sure. Um, that have makes you ever, sense. Have you ever played poker? Um, a little bit. I've dabbled. Okay. Yeah. Whoever in poker, whoever puts the money, you know, or the cards on the table first loses usually. Sure. But when it comes to law and contracts, whoever puts their form of the contract on the table first wins Mm. almost every time. And when when small businesses have their own templates, 
Yeah. It actually reduces their legal spend and it mm. reduces their risk because they don't have to wonder what somebody else has put in front of them or hire a lawyer to figure it sure. out or worse, just sign it. Because there are some things that really can be fatal that you may miss, like sure. copyright law. If pretty much everybody is yeah. touched by copyright law, whether they think they are or not, because it covers reports, drawings, software, code apps, uh, the content of a podcast, yep. uh, algorithms, yeah. macros, your tools, all of that. If you assign what you have done for a client to the client, and you have included any of your background things that you use that make you special over and over, mm -hmm. if you assign those to the client, you don't have anything left to use ever again with anybody else. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, And I've seen that happen. Or you'll you want to be nice when you're starting up everyone right. wants to get the money sure. in the door Absolutely. you want to be right you want to be nice i'll just sign it and the contract will say <laughs> you'll perform the services until the client is reasonably satisfied it sounds reasonable <laughs> it, right. except but how do you define that <laughs> exactly the problem with that is yeah. if you sign something that says you'll yeah. perform services until the client is satisfied or reasonably satisfied you have agreed to legally be bound to keep working as long as they, until they say, I'm good. Yeah, yeah no, Most I I work with attorneys a lot with, uh, in we do mortgage note investing and real estate investing and 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 also contracts, you know, for, for small business mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And and um, absolutely, I mean, there there is an art to being a small business owner and deciding when do I pick up the phone to call my attorney. It's not, you know, because you can go the other way, in my opinion, and and overanalyze and over, mm -hmm. you know, focus on risk. And um, there are times, there are times where I'll just sign a contract. I mean, I'll read it, but I, you know, I don't always run everything past my attorney, but I will say in general, it's not that expensive no. to get a legal review done upfront or draw up the contract as you're saying. And, and you know, we present the, the first contract, the first version of what we're even going to talk about. And that's one time. It's a one-time expense up front. Um, and it's not yeah. that expensive. So yeah. because I've been doing this for 30 years, I know how long it takes. I know the questions I need to ask. So mm -hmm. for these basic contracts, we offer them on a flat fee basis mm, to create okay. the templates. And yeah. I think every company needs three things. They need a confidentiality agreement to protect themselves. So when they have these pitch meetings or talk with potential third parties, they aren't literally giving away their advice for free. Sure. You need to protect it. You need some form of client agreement, whatever business you're in, whether it's mm -hmm. a sales agreement, a client agreement, but you only need one that you mm -hmm. get to then use over and over and over and over. You just change the description of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is, if you're at the point where you're ready to hire contractors yourself, a template that gives you the rights you need. So we create packages that include like those three agreements, or we do a website protection package that is your terms of use, your privacy policy, any disclaimers for your business to protect your presence on the web. Hmm. And we do it all in flat fee and it includes training. And that way businesses know upfront what it is. But I, I completely understand people. The goal in the beginning is you have to get the money and you have to get the money and you have to get the money in. Mm -hmm. If you only did one thing, okay, two things, a client agreement and your confidentiality agreement. I have literally seen people because of the, until the client is reasonably satisfied language. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen people literally have to do more in free services because the client kept going, no, can you change it? Can you do this? Mm -hmm. Than the original contract value. Right. Okay. And, <laughs> wow. Like twice. And wow. sometimes it's just because the client doesn't know what they want. Sometimes it's because the client knows that they can do it. I've seen both see. the innocent yeah. and the malicious. Right, right, sure. Unfortunately, same effect. You're right. Whether losing... you're whether you're negligent or or intentional about about it, right? Very lawyer words, <laughs> negligence, <laughs> intentional, exactly. But the thing is, it's what people don't realize is when you're in that situation, you're losing both the money that you would have made on this contract had it been drafted right, but the mm. opportunity cost of a different project that might have paid you so more. So true. Yep, that's absolutely true. And opportunity, opportunity cost is something that's easily overlooked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, couldn't agree more. So 
Um, yeah, that's that's really good. And now, and, and so you find it sounds like you also not only, you know, I assume do well financially with the business, but also get a lot of kind of internal value and and I guess purpose sense of purpose in in working with the clients you serve. Is that right? Um, it is. I mean, for me, you know, one of my taglines is age is an asset. Most businesses are started by people over 40. And people, you know, when you're older, you have more at risk, but you have, you know, sometimes there are more barriers to start it up or you feel like you can't. And which is why mm-hmm. I truly believe, beside the fact that no matter how far you've gone down the wrong path, turn back. Mm-hmm. You're never too yeah. old. It's never too late. I started yeah. my first business in my 40s. I, you know, and every time I've set up a company, it's been an LLC because mm-hmm. I want to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Sure. But now it really is, how can I help? More yeah. sometimes than the money, right? I yeah. And if I was more money-driven, well, one, if I was completely money-driven, I never would have left big law because... At the end of the day, the salaries can be insane. Sure, uh, you have no life, but boy, are you well <laughs> yeah. compensated for having no life. Sure. What that I love, sense. you know, what I love about having your own business is it gives you flexibility. Yes, it absolutely. Gives, it gives you flexibility. And these days, have laptop will travel. Right. I, absolutely. If you set up the right systems, if you are connected, and and this is where having studied computer science is very handy. I'm a geek. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I freely admit it. I may not look like one, but I am a techie geek. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love my laptop, my iPhone, my you know, my Fitbit. I I'm I, I don't even yeah. know what laptop number I'm up to at this point. But <laughs> and every com- every business has its own computer for tax purposes. Each you know, different oh, wow. offices, different computers. But I love having the flexibility. I'm I'm still ballroom dancing, competing. Mm. I'm not as crazy as I was because, you know, there's the time in your life when you're all about work and then you take the break and you maybe play a little bit too much and now it's balance. That's good. Yeah. I mean, so talk about that. Um, and I want to touch on the marketing thing again as well, but talk about the importance of dancing in, in your case, but just more generically hobbies or interests outside of your professional life, especially when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And and it can be hard to do, but you absolutely have to do something beside work. There are days when I'm at my desk till way too late. My fiance is at his desk until way too late. Mm-hmm. And it's not healthy. It's like literally physically not healthy. For yeah. me, ballroom dancing is like the best possible combination because it is music and art and movement mm-hmm. and social because I'm I'm with my dance mm-hmm. partner not my fiance just my mm-hmm. dance partner mm-hmm. um and it also fuels a little bit of my competitive drive mm-hmm. and I'm a girl so who doesn't mm-hmm. love a dress with 5000 rhinestones on it so <laughs> sure. my my competition dresses are are great but it's it's something yeah. I love and it yeah. it's completely the opposite of what I do what mm-hmm. I do is sedentary. And if I don't set my timers, all of a sudden it could be four hours and all I've moved is my fingers. Yeah. So I try to set timers to remind myself to get up and just run around sure. the ha- room for five minutes. Sure. Yeah, that's and, good. Um, but it's finding something that takes you out of your job, that yeah. puts joy in your life. It's got to be something that's pure, unadulterated joy because mm-hmm. life is too short. Yeah, It's just too short to sure. to just work and you know got remi- I got reminded of it last year I no. you know when I was younger and I had cancer it's always you remember you never know how much time you have you never know how much time you have and then mm-hmm. as you know the years pass you forget just a little bit now I always knew sure. in the back of my mind but one the pandemic hit and then all of a sudden people realized well that changed everything sure but then last year because several relatives died of pancreatic cancer. I was, mm. I did screening to make sure I didn't have it. Mm. And they found esophageal cancer instead. Now, fortunately, wow. they found it super, 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 super early. Oh, so early nice. that the first time they looked for the pancreatic cancer, it wasn't there. But 10 weeks later, it was. Wow. So this time it was no chemo, no radiation. Thank goodness. Wow. Um, all the surgery was done. 
they go down your throat. But, you know, you hear the word cancer again and you go, yeah, Yeah. I have to enjoy my life just a little bit more because it's that reminder. We we don't know how much time we have. Yeah, tomorrow may never come, right? Tomorrow may never come. And you could be completely healthy. And I'm sorry, people, listeners, you could be hit by a bus walking across the street. You just don't know. And I guarantee none of us on our deathbed will regret Mm-hmm. working more. I mean, we'll, sure. we'll not regret yeah. if we could have worked more. No one is going right. to think, oh, I wish I worked more. Absolutely. It'll be no, I wish I saw the pyramids in Giza. I went on the Caribbean cruise. I spent more time yeah. with my family. I did that thing I always wanted to do. For me, I always wanted to be a dancer, even when I was a kid. I'm, mm-hmm. But I got to do it. And it was yeah. this perfect point in time. You have to find that moment that gives you flow where it takes you out of yourself whatever it is mm-hmm. art yeah. music sports knitting i mean anything yeah. that thing sure that gives you purpose Absolutely. i love that love that what would you say and i do have some rapid fire questions sure. um but before we get there what would you say as far as you know some people and again it's never one size fits all but advice to the person working a w2 um, who has a passion outside of their professional career, right? And they're thinking about starting a side hustle related to that passion. What do you, do you have any advice there? I mean, some people say, do, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. The other extreme is, Hey, leave that, leave that passion alone. Don't try to make money from that passion. You're going to ruin that, that hobby and that fun thing. So any, anything you can uh, add there? So I absolutely can argue both ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're an attorney, so you should be. I'm an attorney. <laughs> I, I'm I'm also a travel agent on top of all this um, oh, wow. because I've loved to travel. I've been to 55 countries. I helped friends for years, and they kept going, "Why don't you become a travel agent?" Like, nah. And they kept saying this, and I said, "Okay." And then I'm like, "Oh, I'll do it as my act too." But then I started doing it sooner, and this was something I love more than anything. Hmm. But, so I I can speak to experience on this, both with the dancing and the travel. The travel, it it was more fun just helping friends just because Hmm. than running it as a business. Now, I do do have it as a business. I have a couple of agents who work for me. Uh And within that, it's been narrowing it down to the type of travel we want to work with. And Mm -hmm. we're more like travel advisors than true we'll just book whatever Probably. try mm-hmm. to find the right thing for you dancing i have not turned into a profession mm-hmm. yeah it i mean when i'm preparing for competitions it is work but it is passion what i would say is if there is your outside interest that you are debating whether or not to turn it into a second career you mm-hmm. have to think really hard and you have to be really honest with yourself and what you do is you have to look into what it means if i took this as a business what does it actually involve mm-hmm. what what are the day-to-day things that happen if it becomes a business yeah do i need a team of people am i giving up sleep that i'd rather have yeah. uh, will i have to learn all these other systems and take care of care of all these little minutiae which are not as interesting the only way the only person who can make the decision of whether or not to make the change is you Hmm. you have but it requires difficult honesty with yourself Hmm. will it bring you enough income because thank god i was not a full-time travel agent during the pandemic i mean for three (laughs) years i would have had no income at all sure yeah but at least so i've changed my law part to Mm -hmm love what I'm doing. I love helping people start businesses, get it right, level up, stay out of trouble, get paid what they're worth. That, that fuels me. Sure. I'm writing a book about it. Okay. Nice. Come out in 2024. It's going to be in fact called age is an asset surviving and thriving as a 40 plus entrepreneur. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. Part memoir, part how to, but you have to figure out whether one that hobby can realistically become a career well that's and i think that's a key point is if people just they they don't not everyone but oftentimes people 
are really only focused on themselves and hey, what's going to make me happy? What what do I love doing? Which is fine. I have no issue with trying to be happy. But if you take that too far and you're not open to what does the market say this will actually pay me and what what are the needs of others really is what that comes down to, then you're not you you're not doing enough true research or you know you're not just you're just not analyzing this well in a practical manner it's probably not going to pay you enough to for you to do well and then you're going to end up hating that thing that you used to love so yeah you're you're absolutely right it's it's um i mean and again everyone's situation is different of course but that's that's great advice um what what have you found before we get to our rapid fire questions what mm-hmm. have you found to be the most challenging part of running a business um, I said I'd come back to this and I almost forgot to, but transitioning from big law to running your own business, um, what's been the most surprising thing from a, maybe from a difficult standpoint? Two things, two things instantly come to mind. One is when you work in big law, you have a secretary, a marketing department, an accounting department, a finance department, and a cleaning department, and hmm. a kitchen. <laughs> right. And they'll even <laughs> often have concierges and you can drop your dry cleaning off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You go from coddled and swaddled yeah. to you do it all yourself. Sure. Because at the beginning, you can't hire all of those people. So now I have a, an assistant, virtual assistant. I have an mm-hmm. assistant offshore, yeah. handle yeah. some of the tech stuff. I have a marketing person. Got it. I don't have a secretary. I type fast and so much is done online. You don't really need one. But everything else, you know, you don't, I'm the one taking my clothes to the cleaners or doing all the cooking, right? It's, you go from coddled and swaddled as an employee, depending on the company, to it's all you. It's all on you. And your family is not going to necessarily understand the difference and the impact and how much more time it's actually going to take you to spend doing all these other things that you mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about before. That's one. Very true. Very true. Um, and the second thing is you're going from a steady, stable paycheck to this. <laughs> up and down, up and down. And yep. chasing clients to pay you, which you never had to do. Because when That's... like when you work for somebody else, yeah, you get paid. I mean, unless the company that you work for is in financial straits, you as an employee sure. get paid. On time, like clockwork, whether or not the company's clients pay, whether or not their products sell this much or that much or or a vendor is late or whatever, you get paid on time, you know exactly what it is. Yep. So when you're self-employed, no clue. There's a lot less uh, stability and consistency with the financial picture. And there's a lot more responsibility on you as a you know, than, than there used to be, but sounds like in your case, and I can say in my case for sure that it's, it's still worth it. Um, oh, it, it, the, the flexibility that you get is worth it. You just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> I love that. that, that but it's true. I, I was doing jujitsu until the pandemic, actually. And that, that was my biggest takeaway from, from that experience was just that that's really the biggest lesson there is just, you've got to be the best jujitsu players, as they call them, um, are very comfortable being uncomfortable and they're just, they're fine with it, you know? So that's a very uh, good life lesson. Yeah. I mean, with, with ballroom dancing, it, yeah. you know, there's always one toe that's broken or one mm-hmm. toenail that's coming off or coming back. I mean, it, you yeah. just have to get used to that. Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's get some uh, rapid fire questions and then we'll get out of here. Okay. Uh, what is one thing that people misunderstand about you? It's a tough one. I'm not going to lie. No, no. Something people misunderstand about me. Um, that sometimes my very extrovertedness might come off a little bit as flighty. Mm. I'm not. I'm the yeah. opposite of flighty. I'm 100% yeah. a good man in a storm. But I'm very extroverted and I yeah. like talking to people so it can come across, I think, a little wrong sometimes. Got it. What is one of your biggest failures or regrets? Just something you'd like to do over if you could. Not get cancer. <laughs> you didn't say it had to be in my control. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, that's fair. 
Um, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? Oh my God. I was in the middle of chemotherapy. Well, okay, um, let's go. Maybe uh, it 20, gets 22 better. If you want it, if you want uh, it, it gets better. It gets better. It gets so better. time. Time is on your side. It gets better. Got yes. It. All um, things work. Out. It's my favorite, my favorite fortune for my fortune cookie ever. All things work out for the best in time. Love that. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Albert Einstein. Smart answer. <laughs> if you were given $10 million tomorrow, Sharon, what would you do with it? I would not immediately retire. I would not tell anybody. I would hire a very, very smart accountant. I would <laughs> put the money in a trust. Uh, it's kind of like, what do you do if you win the lottery? I actually know the answer sure. to that one. Um, I would allocate a certain amount of money to take a few friends on vacation every year because nice. it's important to spend time with the people you love and care about. And I have a core group of friends that are family to me. I come from a very mm. small family. Right, so right. they are my family. Love uh, that. I would hire a chef. <laughs> nice. Come once a week, cook a bunch of meals for me. That's great. Um, what is a challenge that you're facing in your business today? Uh, getting clients to pay on time. Mm, okay. <laughs> that, that one never ends. <laughs> it just never ends. Uh, I'm actually it's... moving a little bit more toward a pay upfront model because okay. of that. Got it. Um, if you could start a business tomorrow, what would it be? Money's no object. Yeah, absolutely. You got uh, your $10 million. And... I got my $10 million. <laughs> uh, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I said I'd open a professional ballroom dance studio because mm. I love dancing that much, mm -hmm. but I would something to do with dancing. Gotcha. I would uh, open a business, something to do with dancing. What is a book or two that you can recommend? We may have covered covered one or two already. Okay. Um, I truly love the book Illusions, The Adventures of Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. It is not okay. religious. Um, it's it's actually not religious. It's a little bit mystical. I'm I'm surprised I I list that, but I do. Um uh, almost anything by Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. Nice. I know I go from one end to the other. Hey, yeah, you've got a lot of uh, areas of interest and expertise for sure. That's those are two books I've not heard on on my show yet. So, kudos to you. Um, what is a a topic or a question that we have not covered that you'd like to? What made you branch into podcasts? Oh man! So, I was asked to be a co-host on a show a few years ago, um, and truthfully, so Chris Seventy. Uh, uh, peer of mine now, we he asked me to be his co-host. And at the time, honestly, I, I was, you know, deer in headlights. I was thinking, no way, no way. Because um, I'm not quite as extroverted as you are. And I, but I said, I knew that he was an, a leader in the space and he had been a mentor to me. And I just knew that it, it was the right thing to, to do. So I, I just said, yes. And, um, since then, man, I've just loved it. I, I ended up, frankly, frankly, carrying a lot of the the weight for that that show for a period of time. And that's not a slam on Chris. He he he's done a ton of awesome things, and um, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. I just really enjoyed it. I, I also used to be a an investigator, and and I just love learning and trying to mm -hmm. become a better listener. And um, people's stories are just inspiring. So. I just, this is a way for me to expand my network, learn from others. Um, I mean, my wife is so tired of hearing me talk about, oh, I talked, had this podcast interview because it's just, I, I'm so inspired from it. Um, I am drained by the, the, the Zoom, the incessant Zoom calls, if I'm being honest with you, but um, it's a ton of work and I haven't truly monetized it, but I, I and I'm answering, this is obviously not rapid fire. <laughs> um, but I really want to impact other people by inspiring them through, uh, stories like yours, Sharon. And, um, you know, I, like you said, you really want to add value, um, whether, whether your people are paying for you paying for it or not. And that's true for me too. I just want to 
give back, if you will, and yeah. just add value, add inspiration, especially to the entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I know it will come back to me and I know I've already benefited from being a podcast host. So um, great question. I was going to mention on the marketing thing. So Alex Hormozzi is like this cutting edge marketer. He's a I know who Alex guy. is. Yeah. yeah. He he kind of like broke the internet the other day and his book launch. I don't, I don't, I haven't followed it as closely as some people, but it's moving in a direction whether, you know, whether big law likes it or not, or, you know, we're, we're moving in a direction from a marketing standpoint where they say you, your free stuff needs to be better than the other guy's paid stuff. So that's just where we're headed. Content is king. Um, and look, I put out this show for free. I hope people, I hope people love it. I hope we continue to grow the the listener base. Um, how is it going to benefit me truly in the end? I don't really know. Um, I hope it does. Honest answer. Yeah. But, um, but no, that's a, that's, I'm glad you asked. I, I didn't know I was going to go that long, but I, I love this podcast. I love podcasting. Um, you know, does it tie in perfectly with my own businesses? Not really. Um, but, uh, yeah. Have, w- what about you? Anything, any thoughts on podcasting? So I've discovered, I love being a guest on a podcast. I don't mm-hmm. think I want to host a podcast in the foreseeable yeah. future in part because I am at, I am aware that I cannot do more yeah. than I'm already doing between yeah. law, dancing, trying to have a life, getting married in November. It's uh, a ton of work. I'm not trying lie. to stay healthy. Yeah. It's, and I, I wouldn't want to do it and not do it well. Yeah. So absolutely. I actually, I, I love, I discovered that I just love actually being a guest on podcasts. It's, yeah. it's fun. I love meeting different people and talking about different angles and, and truly trying to hopefully pass on some wisdom to audiences. Yeah. I mean, this one, we've talked a little less about law and business and more sure. about life in general. And that's great right. because if it can make somebody realize that one, you're not too old, it's not too late. Yeah. And whether it's a painful divorce or a major health problem or a family yep. situation, you can overcome it. Yes. And it doesn't, it may change your direction, go with the flow and mm-hmm. it your life isn't over. It's just going in a different direction and that's mm-hmm. okay. So yeah. if somebody re- is listening and realizes that or draws inspiration from the fact that I'm a stage four, 30 year ovarian cancer survivor, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's fantastic stuff. That's really good. Um, awesome. Well, Sharon Tasman, this has been really good. Where can our listeners find you online? So our website is htbizlaw.com. And pretty much that is my handle everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, at htbiz, you know, B-I-Z-L-A-W. That's where you can find us. We've got a free roadmap on the six must-haves if you're starting a business. And you can find that at roadmap.htbizlaw.com. But everything is accessible from all of our social media. And I'm regularly posting um, education content, how-tos, answering questions, uh, and feel free to reach out. Fantastic. I know you have a pretty decent size following on TikTok. And uh Although I thought that was for only for, you know, they used to say it was only for like 16 year old, you know. And my audience is almost all over 35. Yeah. No, that's definitely an important platform for sure. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And Chris, thank you so much for having Jamie. I don't know why I said Chris. It's okay. It's just been a long day. (laughs) It's all good. Jamie, I'm so sorry. I, yeah. It's all good. So, and to the listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time.
Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.